0: Welcome to New Life Baptist Preaching, where we grow disciples, we grow in relationship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. This year, we've been focusing on consecrating ourselves to the Lord. To help us do that, we'll be looking at elements of worship in this series. So following the Ten Commandments, we'll be studying Moses' conversation with God and applying it to how we are to behave and to think about our worship before God. And so we invite you to join in with us, subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss a single Sunday, and more importantly, so that we can grow and become more effective in the way that we worship God with one another. We've been looking at the elements of worship after having gone through the entire Ten Commandments and we've discussed um, in this conversation between Moses and God the way in which he involved himself in relationship to God then we saw his adoration for God as it characterized his worship. Last week we talked about God's covenanting with us and how that interacts with our worship. And this morning we're discussing glory and all that the implications of glory in our worship. And we don't often think of that. We hear of God's glory and we want to bring Him glory. But I think we'll find, as you see at the bottom of your bulletin, really the thesis, the topic of our conversation is that worship of God causes us to experience, share, and reflect the glory of God. And that's basically what we're unpacking this morning. And if you're new with us, we'll be following along that outline in the back of the bulletin. And and you have space to make some notes there. And so, Exodus 34, I'll begin reading. I'm actually going to pick up in verse 28 and read through the rest of the chapter. And I invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. Exodus 34, beginning in verse 28. Talking of Moses. And he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables words, the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand when he came down from the mount that Moses was not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto him, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in the Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. And when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil on upon his face again until he went in to speak with him that is God father we come to you this morning and lord I pray that you just reveal to us your glory lord that we can come to you we can come to your word we can receive your word and your commandment indeed we can receive your presence and Your redemption, all that is involved even as it was for Israel at that moment in history. God, let us perceive Your glory. I pray that You would just quiet our minds and hearts, that from the greatest to the least, that we would be attentive to Your Word this morning. The way that You reveal Yourself. Lord, that You would... Uh, speak that we might hear. God, we look forward to the way You'll glorify Yourself in the way that You have fulfilled all of the commandment in Jesus Christ. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. So you have the outline and I've made little notations there to begin your notes for you. And so we're going to do something just slightly different. And I want to warn you about that. Because what we see most of the time, when we study doctrine in the way that we or as pastors ought to study scripture is we allow scripture to interpret scripture um that way we're not wrong if you hear any bright ideas we might you might need to let me know it's like uh dr tom Askell said here a couple weeks ago he said you know sometimes people tell him wow you know i've never thought of things that way or i've never seen it that way before it always makes him cautious and think well geez i hope i got it right you know uh, because we have something we're not supposed to come up with anything original you shouldn't hear anything new from me this morning Only those old truths that are in Scripture. And for us this morning, we have a wonderful advantage because we read this text and then we're going to reflect on the way Paul interprets this for us. And so I'm going to help us. We're going to walk through these points in Exodus 34. I want to walk through them again in 2 Corinthians 3 and then just have a a bit of uh, application after that. So it's really easy to see that we need to recognize the source of all the glory in this. I think it was this past week, even, and I was talking with Dad actually, uh, just comparing thoughts after the sermon. And he took note of of the way in which Moses maybe didn't know what to expect whenever he asked God, Let me see your glory. It's very possible he may not have expected to survive. God told him, no man has ever seen the face of God and lived. It's impossible, actually. Nevertheless, I'm going to protect you. But Moses went up here, not with bread or water, just wanting to see the glory of God. And so he knew if he was going to survive this moment, it's it's because of the hand of God. But he knew that he was about to behold the glory of God, something no man has ever witnessed in the way that he had witnessed. And so all the glory belongs to him. All of it is by the command of God, the Word of God, that any of this transaction is taking place. It is strictly by the mercies of God. Remember what had happened. He had made Moses aware of the idol worship. By the way, that was idol worship in the name of Yahweh, the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt in the golden calf. And so God had spared all of Israel and He's already... Uh, relinquished himself he said look I will go with you at first he would not for even having the presence of God in the cloud by day and the pillar by night he would destroy Israel leading them into the promised land that's the sort of glory that we're witnessing the glory that Moses beheld was the one that caused all of the fire and the thunderings that made everyone so fearful to come to the mount which by the way was for their own protection because what did God say? If anyone, even if an animal, if one of the cattle, if anyone comes near and even touches the mountain, not even in the midst of my presence, but if they even touch the mountain, what will happen? They would surely die. And so we've got to know this source of glory. We've really got to recognize who it is we're approaching in the context in which we approach God And we've got to see all the rest of this. It's important to know that we're not talking, even though Moses' face shines with the glory of God, we're not talking about any glory that belongs or comes from Moses. This is more like those glow-in-the-dark stickers or something that we see. They don't work out of the package. I don't know if y'all have ever dealt with these, but they've got to be exposed to light You got to shine a flashlight or be exposed to sunlight or something else remember i was a kid i had the little stars that you could stick on the ceiling well if the room was left dark the stars didn't shine this is the sort of glory moses has he has somehow been saturated been overcome with the glory of god this light of god and that is what shone forth And so we've got to know this is not his glory. It is not simply because Israel is Israel that they have God. It is not simply because Moses was appointed mediator that he has this glory. It has something particular to do with the presence and the person of God in that ministry. As we read on, we see this idea of reflecting, to dive more into this, reflecting the glory of God. Moses comes down, he had just beheld something great. He didn't even know that his face shone. And he comes down, and everyone else notice, notices. They were fearful of him. He reflected the glory of God. Understand, this isn't as we sometimes in a faulty way interpret this. Oh, let your let your face shine. People ought to look at you and know you're Christian. That's true. I think I've even made some comments that would allow us to believe that we're talking about a Christian always being joyful or in this moment. I want us to realize what we're talking about here, though, is something far greater than smiling in every circumstance. It means something more than being approachable. No, no, this is a face shining so that he had to put a veil over his face. It, it made those who looked upon him afraid. This is like what we see whenever we witness uh, whatever we witness, visions of the living God or whether even the pre-incarnate Christ or of angels, people of, of heaven, and their, their skin was brazen and bronze. And even prophets would fall down, afraid. That's what we see Moses has taken on these sort of attributes. Even Jesus himself, we remember in the transfiguration, was somehow transfigured and made to shine this way and even pictured with Moses. It's interesting. But this is a different imagery. It's not a smile or, or an approachableness that Moses has in this moment. They're made afraid. This is something supernatural. This is the glory of God that is being beheld by Aaron and the people of Israel. What's interesting is we might note at this point the response of Israel. You see, they didn't fall down as dead like Moses did before the glory of God, like the prophet Isaiah did before the angel and had to be cleansed with the cold. We don't see them falling in submission. We see Israel running away and hiding from the glory of God, Most something more like maybe Adam and Eve did in the garden, hiding themselves from the presence of God. They wanted to put distance. We actually remember reading, go away from us that we don't die. How can we handle this word that you've given us? Quit. And so that really shows us the state of Israel and their sin. Yet we understand this purpose of God in reflecting this glory of God. And so we need to progress and talk more in that. That's this glory is a consequence of of relationship. We're almost making a full circle in our study here in worship because look at what this occurs. It is not accidental that Moses' face shines with such glory. If we pick up there in 34, we see how Moses handles this because it wasn't a one-time event. This did not simply follow the interaction on Mount Sinai, but in the tabernacle. We don't often remember this in our children's stories that when Moses went before the Lord, there was no veil. They were afraid his Moses stayed this way. He now became this representative of God having this glory emit from him because of the regular presence of God that he experienced in his life. And so he would go in... And we remember Moses was the guy, this sort of high priest that would enter into the Holy of Holies, the sanctum sanctorum, the innermost place in the temple. He alone was the only one allowed except for Joshua would come and minister to him in this time and would stay. And so Moses would go in and he would be face to face with the Lord. There's nothing that would come between him and God, not, not anything. He would absorb the full glory of God. He wanted as much of God as he could get. And he would go out. Whenever he left the temple, it wasn't immediately that his face was covered. No. There was a task that had to be performed. We see in 34 and 35, he came out and he spoke to the children of Israel, that which he was commanded. And they would see his face. They would see that his face is shining with the glory of God and then he would cover it up. This shining, this glory of God has somehow been attached to Moses in this preaching of His command. How real this must have been for the people of Israel to look upon a shining face that's like nothing they've ever seen. is only comparable to images and visions that prophets have of God or interactions they have with His messengers. And He's giving them the commandment, the Word of God. Wow. Boy, let that sink in. Do you receive that commandment of God that way? As from the face of God, from the glory of God, do we really receive that? Or is a pastor just a a dumb man with worldly wisdom giving points of advice to you? And he may be in our day and age, and we need to leave not having any fear or glory attached to it. It is this word that is being commanded with the very glory and the fullness thereof. Not the fullness thereof, but as full as we could stand it. And so this glory is certainly a consequence of the presence of God, this relationship with God, this fellowship with God, and it is somehow attached to His command and the word that God gives us through Him. And I think it can truly be said that Moses became representative of something far greater. Now I ask that you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, we love the Old Testament. I've said before, we are not New Testament Christians, quote, unquote. But this is all of God's Word. And for us today, we have the New Testament to interpret the Old for us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me just take this in part, following the notes that you have there. I'll just begin at, the, at verse 3, 1 Corinthians 3. I'll begin at verse 3, give us a little bit more context. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he wants them to think back. He's uniting all of Scripture, and he's showing us some of the purposes of what was going on in an ongoing way, what Israel experienced in the delivering of of God's command through the shining face of Moses. Listen to what Paul says. For as much as you're manifestly declared to be the epistle. Now, get this. He's talking to the church. You, the church, are declared to be the epistle. The church is the epistle, this letter of Christ, ministered by us, the apostles, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. This is big news. Listen up. And such trust we have through Christ to Godward, This revelation of God, we have this understanding of God and glory of God, this understanding through Christ. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, that is the New Covenant. Not of the letter or the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth. it's the law he's talking about. But the Spirit giveth life. Wow. We see patterns of people really assigning power to the Christian because they're Christian. Uh, We see sayings, I talk about this sometimes, the verses you see printed on t-shirts almost always are out of context. Not all of them. I have one that's not, I like it, but um, a lot of times, the psalm that says she cannot fail because the Lord dwells in her. That a lot of women find as a favorite, ripped out of context. It is not as if they could fail because they have some glory. Remember where this glory comes from. If you think you can come and overcome all the trials and everything in your life just because you've made some profession of faith or something else, if you're not attached to God. If you're not invested in His Word, if His Word is not written in your heart, if you don't have Christ Jesus dwelling within you, you don't have the Spirit, you're not part of the assembly, I'm just not, I, I don't know where the source of your strength is. Because the only source of strength of the Christian is God Himself through Christ Jesus by His Spirit, through His Word. That's, that is the source of our strength. Not that we're sufficient by ourselves. Moses didn't even know his face shined. He knew that he had the commandment of God. Paul goes on, picking up in verse 7. He's made us ministers the same way. Moses was made able. He was not able. He couldn't even survive with this glory and then he leaves the mount shining with the glory of God. He says, but if the ministration of death, talking about the law, that which reveals sin, written and engraved in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather or more glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory... For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. It's more than that. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. What he is saying here is that in Moses, he received a part, a part of the Word of God. He received the law of God which was good and glorious. It was never done away with but it it revealed sin. He reflects this glory in the Word of God and yet Paul is telling us, listen, remember back. Think of all that Israel experienced. Think of all these memories and the stories that you've heard regarding Moses and now realize what you have in Jesus Christ. We know this It was no small thing when the Spirit came down and flames of fire were saw on the heads of the apostles. Let's just finish up reading chapter 3. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, not... And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, the law, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away. It's still there in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ? Even unto this day when Moses is read, this is in the tabernacles and things, the synagogues, I mean, The veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image of the glory of the Lord from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We've got to get this, guys. We as the church have a supernatural ministry. Think of this. They're receiving this law and it's through veiled face. They can't stand it. It is with partiality in every different thing, and it only does the work of revealing their sin. And yet Moses, I can't help but think, as he goes in and ministers with the Lord or, or, or receives from the Lord the commandment of God, it is with unveiled face. Moses knew God is working and enacting promises that he is going to fulfill. Maybe he didn't understand exactly who or when. But he certainly understood the coming promise of a Christ, a Messiah, a Lord Jesus, who would crush the head of the serpent. He waited upon this day, and yet the people could not receive it. But at the right time, he sent his Son, the glory of God, to live the perfect life, to die the death you deserve on a cross, and to conquer all of death and the effects of sin in Him. We could spend forever right here. Paul wrote his first letter and said, I I desire to know nothing except for this. Whenever we come to Jesus Christ, something profound happens. He gives us all of it, all of himself. And you can't receive it in the ways of the world. There are people still blinded by this veil. And we have, for us, by God's grace, we have such a wonderful illustration in our day, don't we? When everyone walks around with veiled face, We think safety lies in that level of isolation. What a misunderstanding that even Israel had. The only safe place left is right here in Christ Jesus. That's it. There's only the threat of destruction. This is law and gospel. And yet in the gospel, the law becomes so beautiful. We realize this is all of God's good command and I realize it in its fullness. I've seen it enacted in Jesus Christ. I've seen it fulfilled in my behalf in Jesus Christ. I've actually been given freedom to participate in a law that no longer condemns me, but a law that's been written in my heart because Christ Jesus lives in me. This is amazing. Listen to what he says. Because this isn't just a matter of understanding. This is looking Christ, this veil it's taken away. It's a matter of fact that the cross the veil was torn in the holy of holies. Now the Lord is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. You'll see on our wall, we support friends of sinners. It's the only one of the only drug rehab facilities that I've ever seen that doesn't talk about drugs when you come in the door. They just point you to Christ. Say, Look, I, you, you, we'll get to the drugs. Yeah, you're all jacked up. You need Jesus. Get Jesus, and He'll set you free. Where the spirit is, there is liberty. but we all with open face, not with veils, not with masks, not any other tool, not a filter. It's not a filtered understanding. There are no analytical tools. There is nothing else to reinterpret. There is no new thing, no program that we have to put you through with unveiled face, un, uh, no filtration. The raw gospel and the full glory of God Behold this glory of Lord as in a glass, as in a mirror. And we're changed into that likeness from glory to glory. And light is a wonderful picture for us. It's one of John's favorites to use in his gospel. Have you ever shined a flashlight in a mirror? Nobody? Like any of our, our kids, thank goodness for children. What happens? What happens? It reflects. It, it, reflects, it, not, it lights up your face. We see this in all of the silly selfies. I take a picture in the mirror and you can't even see who it is. The bottom line is when we come in contact with such glory, it changes you. If you say you're a Christian and, no, and I, or anybody else for that matter, can't tell the difference between you and the world, it's not my job to continue, condemn you, but I can tell you there's a problem. We need to accept the glory of God in our life, you have to let Christ take his effect. And it is so true. We need to be overcome. We need to to quit thinking in terms of protection and self preservation. You have to fall down as dead without a veil, without a hood, without a shield. You know what? Give it up, finally. This is what has enabled missionaries on the mission field to forsake everything and go into leprous communities for the sake of the gospel. They're they're willing to forsake their fortune so that they might give provision where it's needed. They're willing to forsake even their life so that eternal life might be given. It is like some early missionaries I've heard of, and they said, if you go there, you will lose your life. They will kill you. And they said, "Oh, we, but see, we gave up our life. We died before we left. Amen. Praise God! Do you get that?" And I think, as a, as a culture, as a society, man, we don't get it. This is a word that we need to remember and forsake all else. And all we have to do is to pray and to let this word minister to us today and this week. I feel like I haven't even preached this morning, but I feel that we have been preached too. Let us be consumed with Christ. No filters. No filters in our speech and our thinking. Just His Word. Just His Word. God, we want to come before You with unveiled face this morning. And we look around us and we see One of the greatest sadness, one of the saddest representations in our culture is the fact that as, that we have as many hearts that are masked as we have faces today. And yet, God, you have a glory that can shine through the greatest barriers. Lord, I pray that we would be people like this. That we would experience not not a glory that makes people afraid because of the law that brings death, but because we have the fullness, the brighter glory of Jesus Christ that imparts life. Help us to get over all of these silly and stupid tools of our day that have completely corrupted our evangelism and our thinking and our discipleship of our children because they can't do any better. They need Christ. God, give us this message. Let our faces shine with the gospel from glory to glory. Let us see you impart new life. As this glory comes only through your word and your presence. I pray that there are some here that you have dealt with, that you have drawn to yourself, that you have taken the veil away. I pray there are some here who has been equipped with your word that they might preach it to their family or their friend or their children this week. God, where your light is, there will be no darkness. We thank you that you've sent your son, indeed the light of the world. Lord, let us not shy away from our calling to be the light of the world, the city on the hill. Grant us the freedoms as a church, as ministers of this gospel, to preach it fully, boldly, faithfully, without fear. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our light, our Lord, our Savior, and your glory. Amen. Thank you for joining us at New Life Baptist Preaching where we grow disciples, grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. We invite you to subscribe, to share this with family and friends. And we invite you to come Sunday and grow with us.